it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will feature the cross-country program. Coach John Foss will join in the first half to share about his philosophy of integrating faith and sport. Coach Foss is a Hall of Famer who has had unprecedented national success over a 30-year career. He will share about vision, success, and identity. In the second half, junior Josh Bricotta will join followed by Athletic Director Mark DeMichael in overtime. We're joined now by Coach Foss, and we heard in the introduction about the success of the program, but I want to share a little bit of the story about how your culture has developed and how you've come to integrate faith with your coaching. Could you share with listeners how that's come to be? Yeah, Jeff, I'd be happy to. Um, when I started coaching, uh, I was 25 years old and somewhat clueless, uh, remained that way for quite a while, but um, around the year 2000, uh, my pastor was um, in, in a sermon was talking about vision, but not vision for the church at that point, but vision for us as individuals and how we should integrate that into our lives and not just on Sunday mornings. And the idea of vision, he was talking about um, Nehemiah rebuild, uh, rebuilding the wall and what his vision was, a God-given vision. And so I really prayed about that that summer. And so we came up with this concept called vision. And, and our vision, I'll say that real quickly, but that's really not important. What's important is how that's been implemented. Our vision at the time was um, uh, to win a national championship in our program, uh, not by having necessarily the best athletes in the country, but by having athletes who honor God with their choices on a daily basis. And so as we started to flesh that out and, and started to introduce that to our athletes, um, we start with this concept that God has given them a gift. Um, uh, that gift is phenomenal. Uh, it's given them a lot of gifts, but the gift that we talk about is the ability to run far and fast. And I tell our athletes, I tell recruits this, that you know, if you're running on a high school team and you're near the top, if you make it to a college team, you're in the top 99 percentile um, of the world's population. Um, and so that's a gift. You can work hard and develop that gift, but you can't create it. it you were either born with it or you weren't. And scientifically, we can, we can talk about that in terms of physiology, you know, what's your oxygen capacity and those kinds of things, running economy, running efficiency. But 
they've been given this gift, and then we talk about um, the fact that there's a reason why they're given this gift. And the reason is that I believe that the context of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about a creator God who loves you and I so much that he wants to have a vibrant relationship with us. And I think we, we sometimes get confused and we want to make a to-do list. Uh, or even say things that sound so wonderful like we're going to go out and evangelize. Well, we're called to evangelize. God wants us to do that. But that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And that's an incredible opportunity. So if that's it, and so God gave us this gift, there had to be a reason. We believe because he loves us, he gave us this gift um, because he wants to watch us run. And so they've got this gift, and God wants to watch us run. So what does that look like? Well, again, we go back to the Bible, and we see that there's a principle called stewardship. And in my church upbringing, a lot of times that was about money, at least in my young mind. But really, stewardship is about the reality that everything we own is a, a gracious gift from God. Everything that we have is from God. And we're to be good stewards of it because it belongs to him. And so as runners, we're to be a good steward of that. That means practicing and, and, and good work ethic, but it also means getting sleep, good nutrition, honoring your father and your mother, having good relationships with your parents, healthy relationships with others, academically, not procrastinating, but working hard. All those things are being a steward of this God-given gift. And the result of stewardship is that you return what you have to God. And when you do, that is the actual, in my opinion, the biblical definition of worship is taking a gift that God gives us, being a good steward, and returning the very best of that gift to God. And so that's what we challenge our athletes to do on a daily basis, is to be a good steward, accept the fact that God loves them and he gave them this gift, then be a good steward on a daily basis. And then on Saturdays, when we tend to race, that's our opportunity to worship. And so running in a race, instead of a pressure, uh, negative experience where you're nervous and you're worried and you're comparing yourself to other people, running should be a joyful opportunity to take this gift and to return it to God. Um, doesn't mean that every step of the race is fun or uh, happy, but it's joyful because even the, even in the pain, and every runner experiences pain every race, there's, there's a lot of pain. Even in that pain, you recognize why you're doing it, who you're doing it for, and what that ultimately means is that you've got a creator God who loves you so much that not only did he send his son to die on the cross for you, but even more so, he gave you opportunities and gifts to enjoy this life that we have here. And so that's our motivational program. We've been doing it since 2000, and, and it's, it's just been fun to watch, watch it develop. You just took a lot of concepts and made them way bigger than sometimes they're defined, whether it's worship or stewardship, and, and gave a, a much broader perspective than maybe what some people think about worship equals singing or stewardship equals giving money away. I want to hone in on one other thing, success. Doing this specific thing for almost 20 years, I imagine influences the way you define success as a coach. How do you define it? Well, success is is interesting, and, and I think my definition has changed, Jeff, over time. I mean, when I started out coaching, success was winning championships. It was winning uh, winning meets. Um, 
in all honesty, it was comparing. It was me looking better than the coaches around <laughs> me. And even within our department, you know, it was being the most successful. And as a young coach, um, those may not have been thoughts that I expressed or words that I expressed, but they were thoughts that I had. Um, but what I've learned is that God sets us up for success because as, as he gives us this gift, he also gives us um, clear instruction on what to do with that gift. And so now let's move it to an athletic viewpoint for cross country and track or cross country where if my runners do the little things right, they become better. So our goal for a runner, our idea of success is not just to run a PR, a personal record or a personal best, not just to get a little bit better, but to transform into a different runner, into a better runner. And that's been the success of our program is we've taken athletes who are not maybe state champions and turned them into runners or helped them turn themselves, I should say, uh, into runners that, um, that, that could have been. And the way we do that is by recognizing that it's really God's gift and God's gift is sufficient. And then there's a, there's a plan already in place. Physi physiologically, when we do things right, our bodies adapt. They literally change. That's an incredible creation. Um, and so when we train correctly, when we sleep correctly, when we get enough nutrition, when we do those little things right, then good things can happen. And so what's the last obstacle maybe, in my opinion, in my experience, the last obstacle then is fear. So yeah, I do all these things right, but what if it doesn't work? Or what if I still don't compare? What if I'm still not quote unquote successful? And I, I think um, what I've learned is that if, if the athlete can release that part to God and trust, so he's, the athlete is doing two things, trusting God's plan and then trusting the, the program's plan then good things happen. And that's where we're at now. We're blessed with athletes that do trust. And we're at a point in history where, where you know, hopefully, I mean, that could change any time, but right now, that they're in a good place where they trust God, they trust the plan. And so the success is that they become better runners, achieving a higher percentage of the God-given potential that they have. And I think whenever in life, we can achieve what God has created for us and we, when we can when we can get ourselves out of the way and we can get to that ceiling that God has for us that that's an opportunity to just fellowship with our creator and, and having had some of our basketball players who have been in, in your program we've seen this the transformation of a body but I know this also applies to their lives as well for your athletes yeah absolutely and and most more importantly obviously um, the nice thing about athletics um, and it is the, that it's a laboratory for life and anything that we learn, whether it's a basketball game or whether it's a cross country meet, anything that you learn in the concepts of athletics, it has no value unless it has value for life as a, as a, as a man. When a young man, uh, leaves college and, and starts life, um, uh, starts life after college, I should say, uh, then these are principles that my desire is that they'll put those into practice so that they can have a more vibrant relationship with God, which is their number one uh, purpose of, of their creation. But then in addition to that, they can have great relationships um, with, within their families, great relationships in their communities, in their jobs, um, in their churches. 
and that they can they can start to be uh, men of influence. Coach, let's transition a little bit and talk about what you've seen in the Indiana Westland Athletic Department. You've been here for three decades now. What do you see happening? Uh, it's really exciting to watch and see see uh, what's been happening, and and I think the probably the way I would sum sum it up in the last few years is that we have a department that um, is seeking God uh, as opposed to a department that's trying to um, uh, display God, I guess, or to to show God. So I, I think sometimes as Christians we're, we're told we're to go out and we're to show Christ, and that's true. There's nothing untrue about that, of course. But I think our department is, we, I, I listen to coaches who are, are seeking, and, and I, I, I recently heard, I, I honestly don't know if it's correct, but I like it. Um, I heard the, the idea that seeking, the, the biblical term when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, it's really saying turn to, turn, turn first to the kingdom of God. And I think we have coaches that are turning to God, turning to um, the wisdom that they can find that, that's, uh, that God has for them. And, and it's making an incredible difference in the lives of our student athletes. The atmosphere uh, in our athletic department is is great, and I, I want to say, Jeff, that I came here as a student, came back here as a faculty member because I've always believed Indiana Wesleyan was special, and I've always believed that God has His hand on what's happening here. And so, when I talk about the excitement of what's happening now, it's not new; it's different, and it's different because we have different gifts that are brought into our department at this point in time. But it's always been there, and it's always been a real positive uh, for Indiana Wesley. Final thing, Coach. I know when we have department retreats and meetings, people always listen more intently when you speak. Because of your wisdom and because of your experience, having been doing this for three decades now, what would you share as a word to young coaches who are listening, or maybe to yourself if you were speaking to the coach you were when you were 25 and you got the coaching job for the first time? Yeah, when, when I first started coaching, uh, and I'll speak to myself because that's probably the safest way I went ever, right? But when I first started coaching, it, 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 as, as I said, it was all about, um, I define success as winning. I define success as comparing. Um, and, uh, and each team, that was it. It was like this year, this season, this moment, we have to be successful or I'm a failure. And what I've learned is that uh, that's a very limiting way to, to view athletics. Um, what I've learned as a coach, and I would say to myself as a young coach and maybe other young coaches, would be think about on a daily basis what choices you're making and how they're going to affect those that you have leadership over for a time, how it's going to affect them 20 years from now. So I want to know what my athletes will think, say, and feel about their experience 20 and 25 years from now, not tomorrow. Um, because in the moment, uh, we're all very limited by what, what we see, right? But when we look back, we can see God's hand. And if, they, if, they really, if we're really doing the right things, it's going to have an impact that's going to last for their lifetime. And I think that's, that's the goal that I would have. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, 
who is building a culture of I am third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG president, Trent Daly. Pursuing the I am third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by junior Josh Bracado. How'd you end up coming to Indiana Westland? I originally um, was coming here for four years of my life uh, when my sister came here. Um, she loved her experience. She was a cheerleader. Um, so she got to experience the student athlete um, experience firsthand. So it was something that I wanted to be a part of um, just from seeing that and then talking to Coach Foss uh, during my recruiting process. Um, it just felt like the right place that I needed to be at. Um, it was a place where God was leading me, and um, it's definitely been a worthwhile choice. So you're you're in your third year here at Indiana Wesleyan. Talk about your growth so far. Uh, coming into Indiana Wesleyan and through throughout high school, I would say um, as a runner, I was focused a lot on my own um, personal desires, and uh, throughout this this journey um, at Indiana Wesleyan uh, with my team and um, just being on campus. I've had a lot of spiritual growth. Um, my my love for running has completely changed, like specifically this summer. Um, there wasn't really a time that I woke up and I was dreading to go out on a run. Like my, my love for running was at an all-time high and it still is at an all-time high. And that attributes a lot to um, the the growth that our school provides and um, the closeness that my team has brought. Um, our bond is something that I am so thankful to be a part of. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's easily the closest I've ever been with the team and um, it's it's very awesome to be able to be vulnerable with, um, a, with 25 guys who you consider your brothers in Christ and People who can help you on your spiritual walk, not just, I mean, and not just as a runner, but um, with your walk with God. So it's really nice. Coach Foss talked about how the 20 to 25 athletes on your team would be in the 99th percentile in the world in running long and running fast. So you guys all share these gifts, but you talked about how there's a unified purpose and mission on the team. So even though you're competing for time, you have the same mission in mind, and you use words like joy and passion and love of running. What has sparked this love to go to another level? I would say that um, this year, specifically, we've had a big em or emphasis on uh, finding our identity as a runner um, and considering ourselves um, children of God who run instead of runners who follow God. So that that's just helped our entire team to have um, a bigger focus on um, who God is and what he does for us. And it has helped us, um, it's helped us to be able to glorify um, him with the talents that we have um, in a completely different way than we have been. So I hear this, finding our identity in Christ 
and, and it makes sense in my mind, but let's get a little more practical. Let's say you're in the middle of a race or you're in the middle of a run. What does it look like that's different to have your identity in Christ, say in a moment of pain when you're on the course? During moments of pain, it's very easy to get negative and your body's telling you to slow down, your mind's telling you to slow down. Um, but through the strength that God gives us, um, it's very, it, it's, it's not hard to push through that pain, um, knowing that God is on your side. And knowing that the pain that Jesus Christ went through is so much greater than the, any pain that we could experience during a race. Um, it's something that has personally helped me. Um, I, I have a little writing on my arm that says, you're not the one on the cross um, that I look at when I'm in pain during each race. And it's something that just helps me and changes my mindset throughout each race to um, push on and go for the greater goal. And I know sitting in the spot that I'm in that you recently had a personal record. You have multiple guys on your team. You guys have such a high ceiling as a team this year. What's the connection between finding your identity in Christ and you finding a personal record in your race? I would say once, we, once we're able to find our identity in Christ, it's very easy to run personal best um, just because you're able to run free. Um, you're not, you don't have to run with any, with any bondage or any negativity in your mind. Um, and it's, like I said, it's easy to push on. Um, I mean, obviously the race isn't easy. Like you're running hard for five miles, like there's going to be pain with it. But the pain that comes from the negativity in your mind subsides when um, you're able to um, connect with God on a deeper level through the race and being able to glorify him. Last thing, Josh, let's take this off the race. So you're saying during a race, in a moment of pain, you're looking to a different source of life and peace and strength. And that's allowing you to push through it in a new way. And it's leading to you thriving in your race at a different level. How does that apply to who you are as a man of God? Um, as a man of God, like it, it attributes a lot to, to my growth. Um, through like just through the tough times of my life, um, I'm able to know that God is always um, by my side, and He will be my rock and my shield through the tough times of my life. So even when things are going rough, um, I know that I have somebody who who I can confide in and somebody that I can talk to at all times, and somebody who's not going to leave my side. We're joined again by Mark DeMichael. When you got hired into the job, I know you and Coach Foss had an established relationship. Can you take us back to those days and the important role he played in your development as athletic director? Yeah, we had, because I we were colleagues for 11 years, we had a, an established relationship at that point as friends and, and as men, peers together. And we talked a lot and through the transition time of IWB athletics. Uh, we had a lot of talks about culture and, and things like that. And then when I became the athletic director, I had that opportunity. Uh, I can remember the, the executive vice president at the time, Dr. Todd Voss, who hired me as the athletic director. Um, once it became official that I was the athletic director, the first word of advice he said to me, he said, Mark, first thing you need to do is you need to find a coach in the athletic department that can be your anchor as the AD. And he went on to describe the anchor as being someone that I trusted implicitly that would be willing to be honest and transparent with me, that I could be honest and transparent with that would be the go-to person when I need to get a, a pulse on the department, 
someone who would be able to speak truth to me when I needed to hear it, even if it was something I didn't want to hear, who would have that kind of courage. And I knew immediately when he was talking to me about that, that that, that needed to be John Foss. Uh, the respect I had for him, the godly man that he is, uh, the relationship that we had in his knowledge and, and, and wisdom in culture and in team building, um, I knew would be critical for our athletic department moving into, into the future. It takes a measure of humility to go to someone who's quote unquote beneath you and say, will you in a way mentor me as I transition to this role? What's been the long-term benefit of, of that relationship? Well, he's a great friend, first of all. And um, I know he's a prayer warrior. I know he's prayed for our department and for me in, in leadership. And his wisdom is just, uh, when, when John talks, there's always some, there's a takeaway every time he says something. There's a, a depth of thought and intelligence in what he says. And so many of the decisions we've made, the directions we've gone as a department have happened after I've bounced thoughts off of him and he's enabled me to get more clarity on an idea or redirected the idea if I maybe headed in the wrong direction. So I really believe he's one of those key people behind the scenes that um, deserves a lot of uh, credit uh, for how IW Athletics has moved forward. Coach Foss was a big part of the sports blitz. In the last few episodes, we've been talking about these intentional shared experiences where relationships go deeper and unity is formed. So let's transition and talk a little bit about the sports blitz, which happened several years ago. Take listeners inside that idea. Yeah, it was, uh, I was the baseball coach at Indiana Wesleyan and, and we wanted to go, I felt like we needed to go on a missions trip and uh, it worked out that we actually went on a missions trip to the Czech Republic and the trip that we went on was a partnership trip and there were teams from Houghton College and Southern Wesleyan that went at the same time as us basketball teams, volleyball team, uh, that kind of thing. So we had our own missions trip in Brno, Czech Republic, but all the different teams stayed at the same place, would leave during the day, and we'd come back to the same location at night and, and talk and debrief. So it was really a cool experience. And I can remember the last night of that trip, we had planned a big culminating event where everybody came together and all the young people and people we had contacted or been in touch with throughout the week of ministry was invited back for this huge blitz of basketball tournaments and soccer tournaments and I can remember sitting in the patio of that that facility and just watching what was taking place and watching the guys that were on our baseball team ministering with young people from the Czech Republic with basketball players from Houghton College and the, the relationships have developed in eight days with people that they didn't even know and seeing how God was using that and I remember sitting there thinking man how cool would it be and what could the Lord do if an entire athletic department with coaches who knew each other, who shared a mission, went and did something like this all together, not knowing that five years later I would be given the opportunity to be the athletic director at Indiana Wesleyan. And one of the questions I was asked by the cabinet in my interview was, was really spiritually related. What do you see as ministry opportunities as an athletic director? And I just felt prompted to share a vision of a joint mission trip with all of our teams going someplace to just totally overwhelm a community, a same community with, with sports ministry and see how the Lord would use that. And it started there. So you had this vision. What happened and how did it come to fruition? Yeah, it's amazing how, and this is, I really believe this. I think the Lord, in a lot of ways, he gives a person a broad vision. And then as you 
bring as he brings other believers and people who share the heart of the mission and the vision into it. He takes their talents and abilities and then he starts to focus that vision into something really specific. And that's what happened with the with the sports blitz. I brought in some of the coaches, John Foss being one of them, Jim Vermilia, our director of global engagement, who was a missionary's kid, started sharing Jim Lowe, started sharing this vision, and it was very broad. And as I talked to people, global partners down in Indianapolis, the missions um, branch of the Wesleyan Church, talking to people. And every conversation I would have just sharing the general vision that I just shared with you, somebody would bring a, no, a new piece to it that would narrow the focus and narrow the focus, even down to having lunch down in Noblesville with the global partners people and talking about where can we go in the world with 200 people to do a sports blitz that could handle that logistically, language barriers. And as we talked, New Zealand kept coming up, Auckland, New Zealand, that, well, they could handle that. They could handle that. So even as the Lord narrowed that uh, to the actual place we were supposed to go, I had no idea we were going to end up in New Zealand. But the Lord used other people to bring that focus for the vision down to that. So ultimately, the sports blitz is in Auckland, New Zealand. What happened that week? How many teams were involved? Take listeners inside the week itself. Yeah, we had at least representatives from all of our teams. We had, I think, 12 of the teams had full teams going. Uh, So we had over 200, around 225 people between athletes and coaches uh, fly on think 12 different flights in the country and then six different flights from California to New Zealand, all arriving at different times. And um, it was an incredible week. It was a week of, of ministry. And I think I've told this story before. It started right off. The first thing we did when we landed in New Zealand, got all the groups there because it was daytime there uh, because of the length of the flight. We were allowed to go into the city of Auckland and the, the city council allowed us to do a kind of a sports mini clinic with all of our teams right in the center of downtown Auckland and to draw attention and hand out pamphlets about what we'd be doing that week and invite people to different events. And I remember it was you. I remember people were coming around. It was it was like a magnet. People came. And within the first two hours, you had a gentleman, you had struck, struck up a conversation with, uh, I think it was a middle-aged gentleman about why we were here. And by the end of the conversation, he was curious and he was wanting to commit his life to the Lord two hours after we landed in in Auckland, New Zealand. And I knew at that point, wow, the Holy Spirit's here and he's going to do amazing work. And the rest of it, that was the beginning of a momentum week where lives were being transformed, both in our student athletes and coaches and in people that that lived there. And I do remember just the momentum building throughout the week. And uh, it culminated in some ways with Dr. Lowe leading a worship service and there was multiple ethnicities there there were multiple languages up front there was a time of worship and it was a powerful meaningful time what other things uh, happened that week in terms of short-term fruit either within our department or in in the city itself yeah i know for our department one of the it's funny now wasn't so funny then uh, because of the some of the culture things with with uh, Kiwis, we really didn't know at, at each day what was coming the next day. It was kind of planning on the run. And so every night we would have a leadership meeting up in a room upstairs. All the different coaches would get together late at night after everything was done. And we would then have gotten what the plan was for the next day. And we would have to have to plan out how we were going to do this, with who was going to drive what vehicle, with what group, to what location, because we were sending people all over the city. And those meetings got pretty frustrating sometimes, and and we were tired, 
and tension was high and trying to figure those things out. But, you know, as each night we would pray through that and amidst the tension, there was there was unity going on because we were a, a, a group, a body of Christ working through hard times and having issues with each other, being frustrated with each other. But ultimately it was for God's purpose. So that shared mission, that shared heart, and able to also work through the tensions we had with each other, each other, and then see the Lord grow us through that. So there was unity that happened amidst trial. And that was a definite short term for our coaches. I saw coaches going nose to nose with each other over things and then then weeping with each other, praying with each other, and their relationship has been different ever since. And we see that on our teams in year in, year out basis when there's trust that is greater than the tension. The tension can actually lead to growth and unity. Right. And we saw that happen on this trip. As you've looked back, what's been the long-term fruit of that decision to, to take every team to the same place for a missions trip? Yeah, I think it was really, it was a turning point for us culturally because I think it, it was a, a visual, livable, concrete proof that we're all doing the same thing. You know, you can talk about, hey, we're doing this all, we all are called to the same thing, but the, our passion and our focus in athletics is so specific. It's really hard for athletic people to get out of the mind that they're a basketball player or a basketball coach or a soccer coach and to get them to transition to thinking, no, that's just the tool. What I am is I'm a discipler. I'm a minister. And that trip, after all the talk about what our culture was going to look like in IW Athletics, that trip was a culmination of the build up, the change, and then now we're putting it in action, and now we're seeing God do it through us. It was, it was, a, it was a, it was a big time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, Please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask iWoo Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iWooHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.